You're listening to The Griffin's Nest, a podcast on all things futsal. Welcome to The Griffin's Nest. Today, myself, Liam and James are here today to talk to you all about Bedford Football Club. It's been so many episodes in now, we've not actually talked about really how we started and how we how we do things really. Um, the club initially started when uh, me and Stan was finished university and we were looking to start a club we initially looked to partner with the the university and sort of make a club through them but there were so many logistical problems and nightmares about doing all that we uh had to go elsewhere and it was almost i hadn't given up but given up hope if you like and then kieran alexander who worked for beds of as a futsal I can't remember his role something to do with futsal with a beds of rung me and was like looking to start a club would you like to run the adult side of things literally a couple of days after our our rejection and we were like absolutely this is exactly what we're looking for getting involved um interesting story about our club badge obviously that's one of the things clubs needs um our badge was we partnered up with a disability football club in the uh, bedfordshire area who've had the badge that we've got already um and kieran said i like your badge if we partner up with you can we use your badge for bedford futsal and you can come under our banner and they said yes and that's how our badge came about the famous griffin and yeah, that is that is actually how the badge came around, Liam. I'm not even joking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I, did, I didn't even know that. That's, yeah, yeah. I, I've always I've always liked it. I've never really understood, and I always get the Mickey taken out of me at uni. For people that are, oh, why is it a Griffin? They don't even exist. They definitely don't live in Bedford. I'm like, yeah, brilliant. It's obviously going to be a very reason. true. I just genuinely didn't know. Genuinely yeah, that was it. We know. just creating a badge. I think one of the hardest parts because you think of all of the football clubs you see, all the football clubs you see around, even like Premier League football clubs. All the badges are so like different there's nothing really like similar about any of them like maybe some could say the man city badges copied man united a little bit a little bit controversial but you're looking around and like one of the things i know james said about our badge it doesn't actually say any words on it it is just an image of the griffin with a circle um so maybe the, that's the way to go years, forward now isn't it that's simplicity. it simplicity looking at sort of i'm wearing a man united badge right now and it's got the words on it but the aim is to have that that griffin recognized um but that's a true story about the griffin um, we then sort of obviously had to start recruiting players and I, for the love of me, can't remember how, but we ended up getting players like James in, who was from sort of Milton Keynes, like Lou Barry, like Aaron, uh, Aaron Dewar or Aaron Shepard at he is registered. That was a whole different ball game about registrations, which we can talk about in a bit. Um, and getting players on board. I was quite lucky that I had a core group of people from Uni of Beds that wanted to play, which is part of the reason we've done it. Um, and then as that sort of continued, people from... The ladies side of things wanted to get involved. Obviously, my girlfriend plays football and now plays for the ladies team. And all of our friends were like, I want a, want a ladies team. Let's get one involved. That's how that came around. Meanwhile, Kieran sort of took a strong lead. Well, didn't take a strong lead. He took the lead on all the youth stuff. Uh, running all the youth team. Started with 11s to 16s, which he sort of organised. Um, and that is essentially how, how we've come about and how our teams have come about. Um, yeah. Yeah, so that's actually, uh, talking about Kieran in the youth side, that's how I found out about Bedford Futsal. So I know we'd, it was really odd because living in the area, obviously moving to Nottingham for university, I met, obviously met you, Carl, on university sports tour in Croatia. Oh, so wherever you may be. <laughs> Goodness me. Yeah. <laughs> taking years to get out of my head. And then I met Kieran, met Kieran actually at a... Um, that's not a schools tournament, but a youth tournament in Nottingham. And he took up, uh, I heard that there was a team from from Bedford that was going. And I thought, okay, hang on, seems odd. 
and it just so happened to be like the Antilflitic sort of area, which is obviously where I live. So um, I was just just really curious as to how that kind of ended up happening, going up to Nottingham for it. Uh, me and Kieran got chatting about it, um, just just in case he is listening. My team beat his, which was lovely. Uh, my <laughs> team ended up winning that tournament that day, which was great. Um, and we just got talking about it, and he said, "Yeah, we were. Um, if there's any time you're about and want to get into the coaching." Um, feel free to come down and help me out. We're also going to start a men's team, which was obviously how I got intrigued by that. And we spoke about it being new taps. And um, obviously, I, it was after Croatia by that point. So I'd obviously mentioned that I'd uh, seen a couple of boys and heard kind of rumours about it, but I didn't, didn't think he was actually going to materialise. Um, and then obviously that summer was when we started the pre-season, wasn't it? We started our first kind of pre-season. We had open sessions, um, started with our trials, started playing a couple of games. I think I managed to play played one of the friendlies and it was Bolton development we played against like made the long long journey down mm. so very much fair play to them guys for doing that um and that was our first game I remember I think it was it was it nine four that rings a bell doesn't it yeah nine that was four. the score yeah yeah you remember the first yeah, one I mean, it was, it was, four lines. yeah it was brilliant it was it was just it was the first time we'd all obviously played together as a as a collective um me and Porcelli had a half each um, and it, obviously he conceded fewer than I did. Shock. <laughs> uh, and it was, yeah, it was just a, it's such a great experience to get involved with. Obviously then it, it was, um, that's when I jetted off from a year abroad and didn't play futsal again for about another year after that. So that was the first game I'd played in a year after the ACL. And then I had to wait another year to, till I could come back and play another game. So I played a bit in Spain, but yeah, not enough. So no. yeah, Bedford was always a really good outlet for me, particularly when home from university. To, um, to be able to play for itself still in a competitive environment. James, how did you hear about us? Because we'd started up and you'd, you'd come along, but I don't remember how you'd come around to knowing so, us. So I'd, I'd played uh, Futsal at University for about was it three years. So yeah, uh, Futsal at University for three years. And I was kind of looking to play to play Futsal. No interest in playing football at all. wanted to play Futsal. So I was kind of just looking around uh, kind of clubs locally to me because I live in Milton Keynes. So in terms of kind of living in Milton Keynes, there's not not many clubs around. And uh, I was just scrolling through Instagram one day and I saw uh, an Instagram post from uh, the National Futsal League. And they mentioned that there were uh, new teams that had signed up for the league, etc. And one of those was Bedford. So I kind of quickly went into action and kind of searched up. I think it was on on um, Facebook or Instagram. I can't remember, probably Facebook. And I sent a message on the Facebook page saying, uh, uh, I'm interested in playing, blah, blah, blah. This is where I've played for the last three years. And I remember I had a quick phone call with Kieran. Uh, for, for those who don't know, is Kieran, um, he's, was he owner, chairman? Carl? So me and him are a joint directors of the club, if you like. Okay. But I, I don't like using that term very much. At all, okay. It makes you sound far more big yeah. than I am. <laughs> so I, I spoke to Kieran on the phone and said, yeah, interested playing. He was like, yeah, come along, blah, blah, blah. And um, went, went along to the first training session and they've uh, not let me leave since. Absolutely not. We haven't let you leave. And we're, it was interesting when we first started because we had a core group of players that I'd brought together from uni. So we had me, Stammers, Lou, Pacelli, Jay. Um, I don't want to miss anyone's name off. I think that was sort of the core from the uni boys. And then we had players from my old football academy, which is where Malk sort of got brought in. And we brought in Alfie, we brought in Ikenna, we brought in Aaron Kelsey. Um, Josh Orlang sort of trained originally, didn't get involved. Had those kind of players sort of floating around. Um, and the, the hardest part normally for a club is getting those players in. But we straight away had a core group of players that we didn't ever struggle to get numbers for a game day. Um, we always had a core group. We had a couple of the Spanish boys sort of flirt with us for a little bit. And we had Abu and Sufi 
had a had a cameo and then off disappeared in somewhere. Don't know where they went, but they played for a bit as well. Um, and it was interesting that when we when we started up and we got the club going, me and Stan was like, right, we've got the club going, what's next? Um, and we sort of didn't think about, and I had no idea about all the other stuff that had to happen. So to get the club into the National Football League, me and Kieran had to go to the Hilton, not the Hilton, a big hotel, I can't remember what it's called, by Wembley. It might have been Hilton, don't know. Um, really fancy hotel by Wembley and do basically a presentation to the futsal board about what our club was going to be able to do in a couple of years, two years, three years time. I remember that's when we met Tina Reid, who we made sort of quite a good working relationship with. Tina was brilliant and it's a shame she sort of, well, not a shame she's gone to Thailand because she's doing well for herself, but she was doing a really good job of what she was doing. Um, but yeah, we had to do a massive presentation on all of that, sort of talking about what our youth teams were going to be like in a couple of years, where we're going to have development teams, we're going to have women teams, so on and so forth. Um, from there, then, the next logistical nightmare is getting kits and getting sponsors. It's so hard to get sponsorship for a sport no one's heard of. Like I'm going to places going, right, we're Bedford Futsal Club. And they're going, futsal, do you mean football? And I'm going, no, 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 we're a futsal club. And then basically that's no straight away. So it's it's really tough to get that kind of sponsorship in. And the other hurdle we always face is is funding. It's really hard to get funding to run the club. And Bedford Futsal Club, and the players won't mind admitting this either, we are pretty much self-funded. The players pay yeah. a membership fee and they pay to play. And I've never once had a player ever complain about paying we're not expensive we're not going to reveal our costs online because that would be revealing all of our secrets to all of our listeners but um okay. players pay for for what we do and um it's because of the again we're an elite level of futsal if you like playing in the second tier or originally started out in the third tier but that we weren't given money we haven't got a big sponsor because futsal hasn't got that outreach yet um the key word is yeah it will do i can see it i can feel it but yeah we're self-funded um one of the key things we had to do was get a partnership with the Uni of Beds for training. Um, sort of part of our agreement is we get a discounted rate of training and games and use of the hall in return for our services for coaching. So I coach the men's and ladies teams. And in return, we got discounted prices on uh, the hall for hall hire, which is quite handy. Um, and that partnership with Uni of Beds has been really good because um, that sort of using that facility, players had seen it, coaches had seen it. And then I don't think it's a coincidence that it was used as the women's host venue for the NFS. Um, they wouldn't have used it if they didn't know it was there. Every university has probably got a facility like that, but they've chosen Bedford's because of the, probably because of how much it was sort of blasted all over social media and whatever. Um, but yeah, sort of those kind of things that running the club are quite difficult, but I've been quite lucky that the players we've got don't ever complain. They just kind of do what is asked of them, which is nice. Yeah, and you know what? I think that's it's so key, uh, such a key element of what Bedford is and what we're about in terms of we're happy to help. Obviously, there's always something in exchange, but we're never reluctant to kind of offer services, be it for the FA, be it for the NFS, or internally with us or with the uh, with the uni team, with the women's game, with the youth. I think kind of throughout the club, there's almost I'm, I'm not, I don't like using the word culture too much because then it kind of it pins it down a little bit too much. And then if we ever divert it away from it, it makes us seem kind of disloyal. Um, it's it's a sense of we're happy to help out. So, for example, with the Bedfordshire Uni partnership, it helps us, it gets us players, um, but it also gets other people just generally involved in the game of futsal. So we're always kind of giving back to the actual sport in terms of engagement and um, trying to make it as, as good as it can be. And I think, like you say, with players not complaining, it's not it's not expensive. Um, we all contribute with our uh, men membership fees and if, if it goes towards new kit or new equipment or whatever we need it for. 
then we know for a fact that our money's going in the right place. It's not a business. We're not making money off it um, because if we did, we'd probably be doing probably much better than we are now because of coronavirus. So um, I, th I think that is just such an important bit of, of what we are. Um, and obviously we use the fine system as well internally for the players, don't we? So each team um, has a different fines committee and we um, contribute to that just for that level of discipline as well, keeping it as we've spoken about quite a lot in different episodes. It's about that professionalism, um, trying to keep it as uh, logistical and just as, as appropriate as possible as well. Thinking about obviously the North London derbies just happened, Aubameyang um, getting fined and dropped because he was late. Obviously, it's a much different circumstances for us because none of us could even fathom the idea of 350 grand a year, let alone a week. <laughs> so uh, for now, I think our £1.50 or whatever it is, or £1, we'll, we'll, that will do for now. Yeah. Um, but it is that element of, it is just, it's it, responsibility, it's ownership, it's professionalism. And you have to have that sort of code of conduct within a club because, one, it keeps us funding, it keeps us ticking over. But, um, well, Carl, obviously, you know this, we keep it in a pot and we we all uh, contribute to it with our fines. So you forget your flip-flops, you don't have a shower or you forget your shower gel or uh, your warm-up top or anything along those lines or you're wearing the wrong kit to the actual match day. Um, it keeps the standards high, which is what we want to start setting. And we have started setting as the years have gone by. Of course, first, it was a case of we need players, we need people through the door, we need to turn up on match days. Let's worry about that first. And now, now we've got enough players. We know that we won't be limited in terms of a match day. It's keeping those standards nice and high will only make us better as a club and as players. So mm. I think it's so important. And obviously, we keep it in a pot, like I'm saying. It does go back to the club. So Christmas meal or um, team socials or anything like that. Or even if it does, it hasn't got to that stage yet. But if it does have to go to, I don't know, a new set of balls, a new set of cones, new set of bibs, something for the venue or extra volunteers or whatever to chuck them a couple of quid for their time it it, it kind of comes back around doesn't it and as a club i think we do that really well and we've spoken about it before just kind of that cycle of upkeep almost yeah and you sort of talk about the fine spot um one of the things that uh, again we talk about all the professional side of things but um sort of getting kits equipment and all that what i find what did massively for us as well was funded a, a team night out or has funded a couple of team nights out which the value of them is 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 massive. I know James, what was the drink, James? You made me drink. That was horrendous that we got from this. I think it was Buckfast. Horrendous, horrendous, horrendous drink that you. It was all yeah, building morale. That's all we were doing that night. And it does Team build morale. morale. And you might think we're chatting nonsense, and a night out is an excuse, but it does build that morale. Um, that journey I went on to get that Buckfast down my throat, which James supported me through, is is massive, and that's why me and James can. I know James is now on the court, always have my back, and I'll always have his back because he's made me do that. You know what I mean? It's those those things. Now I'm joking. No, but seriously, the team nights out do build a bit of morale. Um, and running the club is is hectic, and I've sort of taken on that like well, responsibility in doing that in terms of the men's and women's kind of stuff. And part of me, part of me was well, definitely massively naive because I didn't think it was going to be as much into it as there is. And sort of when I do stuff, I don't want it to be rubbish, which is why I've sort of got the media side of things a little bit better thanks massively thanks to louis and uh pagey really give me all their tips and tricks uh we obviously talked about already the process of getting the club to exist initially talking about getting sponsorship getting players all those kind of things are are tricky in the partnership with university of bedfordshire and then we're always trying to do more so recently we've got the wildcats funding to get um a wildcat center running at the school i work at at chalk hills in luton which will be really good um and just 
yeah, running a club, as much as I would say I'm naive and there's a lot of stuff to do, it's very rewarding to see at the end of a full season, that first season where we've won a league title, it, it's really, really like, oh, wow, like I've, I've helped do that. Do you know what I mean? Um, and it's not all about winning titles. For me, it's about playing football and getting better. And of course, part of me obviously wants to win. I don't enjoy losing. No one does. But um, you're running the club and sort of letting those youth players play as well. Seeing, for example, Kieran's kids, they love it. And like, they come along and they're all over watching us play football. And they're, I know the, is it Ashton's the keeper, isn't he? He's always watching you, Liam, whenever you play. He's always grilling you. Oh, why is he doing that? Or, oh, is he doing that right? That kind of thing. Yeah, he does always think he can do better than me. And unfortunately, a lot of the time, he's, he's probably right. So I'm quite worried <laughs> in two years' time when my when my other knee's gone and he's 16 that he's going to take over, to be honest. Oh, well, he's probably taller than um, you already as well. I'm, I'm happy. Yeah, well, let's not get into that. I think <laughs> uh, I'll be happy to pass the torch on. And that, that's that's what, what I think we're all going to have to, one, accept, and two, kind of get used to as the younger players do come through, like we have done already, like Matty Myler, for example. Uh, I think I mentioned him in my, in my teammates' video. Players like that coming through, it... It does put a bit of pressure on and, and maybe does make us some of us realise that we're not, not quite as young as we were, even though <laughs> if we are still young. Um, and I, I, it is really important. And I think you touched on it a bit, obviously sponsorship. Yeah, it is really difficult. And I think um, a lot of us have done, we've aimed for the kind of player sponsorship route as well to see if um, any sponsors can contribute financially to like half of the membership, which is what I always approach with, I think, however much that may be. Um, and all the time it is family run businesses that we know family friends or our own family to contribute and I think what it allows us to do is it does free up a bit of that money that don't get me wrong if I didn't find a sponsor for the season it wouldn't stop me playing I'd be more than happy to contribute uh, however much I need to financially to still be able to play for the club and be part of it but I also think it, it, it frees up that kind of additional money that we'd obviously still be happy to use anyway but it still goes to the club so, for example, just because half of my membership has been paid for by a sponsor, I it wouldn't stop me paying, I don't know, 20, 30 quid towards new balls or new kit if we needed it. Because yeah. we, I think as a club, we know what it takes because it is, it is you kind of obviously in tandem with Kieran running the club. As a player's point of view, we know that it's a massive burden. So anything that we can do to contribute and to help, um, we, we'll always do it. And I think it... It is largely down to player contributions, but I don't know, Carl, what do you think? So in terms of what players, I mean, feel free to grill anyone if you need to, but what, what could players do in other clubs or in our club to, to contribute to that, to help run it? Obviously, we know the NFS host days. We've spoken about that before and how players can help with that. Mm. But just generally, like admin tasks or anything, do you think it's important to have a committee, for example? Well, that's interesting you say about a committee because we... Um have a, a fines committee, which we've never actually got up and running properly. We created it after, just before lockdown one, so I don't even know anymore, before one of the lockdowns. Um, and I think for, for players in the club, you've you've got, and what we're quite lucky to have is people do appreciate the work. I know the girls team sort of appreciated all the work I put into it and bought me a pair of football boots for, for obviously my Saturday football and stuff as a little reward in that. And what that's not what I'm saying, but I'm not saying you should buy your people presents. What I'm saying is, as players, you should really like appreciate what people do at the top of your club i know for example for us as well i appreciate players have to pay for their training like kit and stuff you don't get bedford foots with t-shirts and jumpers for free you've got to pay for them um, and all these things cost cost money but at the end of the day if people want the stuff they'll pay for it and you do try to make it as cheap as you can in our club um 
not a little moan, but what I'd like more players to maybe do is just all contribute as much as others do. For example, I know Liam, you're massive in contributing in terms of the the war zone. You got you downloaded the war zone, you don't play it, you got involved in that sort of tournament, you do all the running, you're buying raffle tickets, you do a lot of the coaching with the youth. I and mean, then there's other people in the club that have different motivations. And that's something I have to understand. And it's taken me time to understand that some people have different motivations to me and Liam. Um, other people in the club do not want to get involved in anything. They just want to play. And that's fine. If that's their motivation, that's cool. But in an ideal world, I'd love for all the players to be all up for everything and be like, I want to do this fundraiser. I want to do this fundraiser. I want to help out coach here. I want to help coach there. Um, but unfortunately, you're not going to, you can't get that in a club because everyone's got different motivations. Um, Looking at players within our I'll club. Jump in there quickly, Carl. Yeah, yeah, Sorry. yeah, yeah. I was going to jump in quickly there. I think, I think um, that's something potentially a lot of football clubs find quite difficult in terms of uh, getting people to contribute. At times, I think we found it difficult because sometimes uh, people see this uh, football as some kind of side thing at least in terms of you know they'll play football on the Saturday that'll be their main thing and then almost futsal's just a side something they do on the side it's not particularly important it's almost just a kick around for them and I think we uh, we are changing now that kind of perception in the club is in terms of this is the main thing for people like commit you have to commit it's not something you're just going to do on the side and turn up to training when you want turn up to games when you want you know you're you're in it for the long run you're in it for the long haul uh, if you're going to commit to the club, you know, wanting to play, wanting to train, you've got to commit to everything else as well, which I think has been kind of a transition we've, we're currently going through. And I think, as we said uh, a few minutes ago, in terms of we're starting to see that core group of players and everyone commits in their own ways, which is is good. And it's good to see that change. You're right about the commitment side of things. And the bloke I'm about to talk about, will not mind me bringing him up one bit, is Alfie. Um, was probably one of our best players, if not our best player in our first season. Um, scored absolutely tons and tons and tons of goals. Really good player, but wouldn't like training on a Friday night because he'd rather go out or playing football on a Saturday. And he was wasn't able to hack training Friday night, play Saturday, play Sunday. Um, now for me, I do I do those things. I cope. Don't get me wrong; it hurts. It's painful. It's not easy, but I do those things because I want to play and I commit. Um, and he just didn't have that that commitment, and that's why he doesn't play for us anymore. Um, it's not because Alfie's rubbish, because we all know Alfie's very, very good. Um, it's, it's that commitment thing. And you're right, we now got players in the club who, apart from me and Ryan, I don't think there's actually anyone in that club that does play football other than futsal. It's sort of most of the team now. I can't think, maybe I'm wrong. No, maybe well, Matt Marler is a youngster. Women's is entirely yeah, different I mean, ball game. The women's actually. team is different. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting you said actually. Because the women's, a lot of them play football. You think of sort of faith plays for Cambridge. Um, I don't want to say which one because she hates it when I get it wrong, but one of the Cambridges. Um, Suarez, Rachel both play for, for Dunstable. You've got Tasha, you sort of yeah. used to play for Kempston. You've got Emma who signed on plays for Kempston. Lots of players play football clubs. Emily plays for Wooten, which is where we train actually in our cage. Lots of them play football, whereas in the men's, it is only myself really and Ryan who do that. And I think that commitment uh, you talk about, James, is interesting and People commit in their own way. And again, I'll, I'll touch on it again. It's the motivation thing. You've got to try and understand everyone's motivations. There was a point during this last lockdown where I was getting really, really like, not wound up, but frustrated. Because I was like, why is no one doing as much as I want them to do? But then you've got to think, they've got their own things going on. They've got their own sort of mental health to look after. People have got probably work issues. I've never had an issue at all 
with work during the lockdowns because I'm a teacher and I've always been paid my 100% pay throughout the whole thing, which is, I'm so lucky to have that. Not everyone's got that. And one of the things I've learned to do is people's motivations understand, right, are they going to contribute? Are they not? Um, and like I've mentioned, in an ideal world, they'd all get involved in everything and all contribute. But that's that's not how the world works. If it was that easy, then I'm sure we'd be a lot more well-off than we are. But all we got to do is find ways to, to motivate people, which is why the Warzone thing happened. I was thinking, why are we not getting any money through the door for these other things? And then Call of Duty was the the most money our club's ever made. It's made more money playing the Call of Duty tournament than we did hosting a day at the NFS, um, which is bizarre. It's crazy. Yeah. And that money going towards winning hospice and going to us is massive. And that's why we're doing another one, because it was such a successful event. Even if James did bottle landing at Superstore, um, which Kelsey would never, <laughs> ever False promises. Yeah, I know. False promises. <laughs> <laughs> we were waiting for him and he just never showed up. Absolute bottle job. Yeah, it, it was great fun. It was great fun. And I think, yeah, it is difficult. Engagement, I mean, we speak about it a lot. It is engagement across kind of a wider community as well. But internally, yeah, particularly with the pandemic, very, very difficult to... You can't be pushy. You just definitely can't be pushy with players and uh, with members of your club, regardless of. So, for example, Carl obviously alluded to, and we've we've spoken about it before. Um, we kind of live for it, really. I, I was the same at, at Nottingham. I did a lot of the um, academy coaching and racked up something ridiculous. Like my second year, when I was uh, out injured, I think I racked up something about 150 volunteering hours across the year. Mm. Came in the top three of the sports volunteer award for two years um, at uni, and it just that it was just one of the things that kind of I wanted to do and kept me going I enjoyed it so it was a bit of give and take but that element of give and take needs to be understood across all players and all club members not just talking about ours because I'm not going to dig anyone out because you know it more than I do um, being almost at the top it's not a hierarchy but let's say at the top kind of um, of the pyramid as such uh, figuratively speaking of course um, and yeah I mean everyone contributes in their own way and I'm sure as things ease off and open up again even people getting involved socially I know that sounds ridiculous but getting involved in that side of things even if usually they don't help coach the uh, the women's or the academy or don't come down and help I don't know put the stickers out in the NFS host days or anything along those sort of lines but even just getting involved you know just getting get, being really feeling part of it um, is really important and I think to be fair like we've spoken about before not just training and getting better and improving I think we did gel a lot more um, over last summer and as we all started contributing a bit more and coming down to the cage and playing and um, all of those sort of experiences uh, it can only improve the chemistry amongst a group of players and I think club members as a whole yeah okay so it's unofficial as a committee isn't it really I guess some people if you fobbed off an admin role or kind of one thing that came through that you needed help with, I'm sure plenty of people would be willing to. Mm. Um, but like I say, it is just that element of getting involved, feeling part of it, speaking to your teammates, gelling, you know, it's just, it's invaluable really because you have to, you have to do it to form a good club. And if people are willing to uh, work for each other, it's only going to translate onto the court, isn't it? So you'd like to think that they both go hand in hand, but it is difficult. And again, touching on what you said, motivations, yeah, people do um, people do have different reasons as to why they do things, and but that will always be the way, and I'm sure it's the exact same at every single club, every single club, and the, uh, to be honest, I think they're lying if they say it's not. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we don't do things perfectly, 
we probably never will do things perfectly, but it's it's the way we do things and it's worked so far. And obviously we're only we're always working to improve, partly while we're doing the podcast. So we can pass on anything that anyone might find useful that we say, that'd be great. If they don't, then they don't. It's it's what it is. We're not yeah. here to please everyone. No, yeah, we're not here to please everyone. And we and like I say, we, we don't do things perfectly by any stretch of the imagination, but it works for us. We all get along. Uh, like we've spoken about before, we have our fines, we have our socials, we have whatever it is that keeps us ticking over. And for the time being, it's worked and we've enjoyed it. So the long may it continue in my eyes. And the thing that's massively helped me in sort of running it all is having good people involved. Um, sort of like yourself, Liam, yourself, James, getting involved, doing loads of stuff for the club. I talk about other members of the club, like Paige doesn't even play and comes and gets involved in all of our our media stuff. Malk, again, Malk's an A-licensed football coach. I think we all forget that. Malk is the A-licensed football coach and he comes to coach us for free when he could be at most clubs if he wanted to. He's got the credentials to be anywhere else, but he chooses to come and coach us a lot down in that cage in a village in Wooten next to some skateboarders. And I think those are the kind of things, yeah. having, having decent people, like my mum and dad, bless them, do the, the host days and my dad's up at half four in the morning cooking pasta because he's an absolute nutter um my mum's <laughs> there at the door taking people's money for like paying for drinks people's ticket entry people trying to walk past and my mum's quite happy to be the person to have that battle with people who are trying not to pay their two quid to get in um people like people don't do that very willingly very often um you have sort of a couple of the girls players suarez working at the uni she was amazing on our host day anytime we needed something she got it for us it was like table service for futsal is incredible um and having these good people involved in the club is huge and every club's got them you can sort of think about reading royals and i'll give a little shout out to, to phil lant because he does loads for that club i see him doing his fitness sessions for them um, i know he's had a massive sort of say involved in doing the the reddings talk or the royals talk um and each club's got good people you look at pro futsal they've obviously got the the tapia owens brothers involved doing loads of great work for them you look at other clubs, you've got Trevor at Genesis. People all over the place have good people, and that's that's key to a club. And ideally, you'd have a club full of players who all get involved and all do whatever. But in terms of motivations, the way to get around that is by having good people, having your mates involved. And like Pagey, for example, sitting there doing the tweets, he'd probably be much rather just sitting there watching and enjoying the game because he likes football. But he's there typing away, getting involved, free of charge. He doesn't get anything for it. I think actually that's a lie. I brought him a futsal t-shirt. I brought him a Griffins t-shirt, which cost us 12, 12 pounds. And that was it. So that was as much as we could splash out on him. Do you know what I mean? But having those good what, people what is massive. Reward. Yeah, see, he's got himself what a t-shirt, which he can only wear to our games because no one else knows who we are. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's those good people are are massive. Um, very different to, to university because you don't really have those worries because the university do it all for you. Um, whereas a club like this, you've got to run run things yourself. And we've all come from uni, and that's why I was so shocked about all the stuff you've got to do. Because I was like, oh, uni, it was easy. Just turn up, get on the bus, go and play. Who did get on the bus? <laughs> we get in people's cars and car share. I know James has been on a, a couple of very enjoyable car journeys in his time to various games where he's endured various things. I've had a couple of car journeys that have been very amusing or or not amusing for various reasons. And it's those little things like a car score. It brings, it brings back vibes of sort of the younger football when you're playing like under 12s and you all follow each other's cars to a game. You meet up somewhere and you, someone drives you along and you all follow. Those kind of things. It's part of being a club and no one complains. We ship in a five for petrol, that kind of stuff. Um, it's all massive and it's all really, really important to, to run in a club. And one thing I always do 
in terms of like when I'm running that, I step back and go, why am I doing it? Like, why am I bothering doing this? And I've never once thought about packing it in or anything like that, because the reason that I run the club and do this thing is because I love futsal and that's as simple as that. And that's the same reason that all of our good people do what they do. Um, so anybody who's looking to start a club or whatever, um, go and do it. And it's, it is hard work. Don't get me wrong. I'm my phone is my screen time is horrendous because when I'm not at work teaching, um, I'm <laughs> on the phone trying to get different bits and bobs sorted, texting people, registering players. That is the biggest ball ache of all things. It is trying to, like, for example, we're trying to identify who's homegrown at the minute and trying to find out who, for example, like Sean, who's a little bit older than us, who he played for when he was under 21. He hasn't got a Scooby. He hasn't got a clue he played for when he's under 21. Um, it's, <laughs> it doesn't help that Sean played for about four teams at once. No, exactly. He played for everybody here, there and everywhere. Um, it's, it's those kind of things. The logistical registering players is, is really quite tough. Um, but it's all very rewarding at the end when on Monday the 29th, we'll all be back in that cage, all playing. Um, we've got our public liability insurance. We've got all the stuff we need. And we just go, right, we're now going to play. And then when you're playing, I've always been asked by a couple of people, like, why, when you run a club, do you not find it affects your playing? And it really hasn't. Um, I've performed pretty well for Bedford as as time's gone on. I've done quite well. Not been the best player, not been the worst player. Um, and it's never no, definitely not me. been the best. Never been the best. No, sadly not. That's gonna, <laughs> it's got to go to go to James at the moment. But, um, never. Been, yeah, it's, it's it's never affected my performance. Do you know what I mean? It's never made me think right. I. I'm focusing so much on the money or the training or the finances or anything. It doesn't affect performance one bit. The only thing it's maybe done a couple of times because I maybe care too much. I've got a little bit heated in my performance to sort of like maybe tackle someone a bit harder than I should or have shouted at a team a little bit louder. But I actually honestly believe I've done that anyway. So um, it doesn't affect too much. And I know a lot of clubs aren't run by a player like me. Um, me and Kieran, obviously, Kieran doesn't play, but I do. Most clubs have someone sort of a little bit older who doesn't play, who runs it. But I don't see there's any reason why not. And in some aspects, it's a little bit better because I see things from a player perspective because I am a player. Um, so, yeah, quite interesting, well, really. For example, um, um, I was just going to jump in there. Just for example, a new, a new club, actually, is just doing the uh, regional futsal series leagues uh, in Poole down by Bournemouth. Um, and now, for the life of me, I apologise if he's listening to this, I can't, for the life of me, remember his name or where he played before in Bucks. However, he's gone from leaving university to starting a club mm. uh, down in his local area from where he lives. So again, and, and as far as I'm aware, he is going to be um, playing for the club at the same time and, and doing those sort of things. So I, I, I really do hope that he's listening and, um, yeah, get something out of this as well and just kind of, if he is stressed or... Um, getting a bit anxious about be, having to run a club and start everything up and do all the admin while also focusing on thinking, right, I need to play well here as well. Um, it's, yeah, it's it's just really good to see that people are doing it and are kind of taking that leap into it, which is difficult. Uh, oh, there we go. Played at University of Worcester. There we go. Got it. Ben Norman. Shout out, Ben Norman. Big up, Benny Boot. Is that Paul Panthers? Is that who he's involved? Is that his club? Yeah, it is Paul Panthers. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Paul Panthers. And that's, I've seen them. They're doing a great job. I like their badge as well. Talking about badges. Big fan yeah, of the club really badges. Cool, actually. Their badge is very decent. A um, lot of time for it. And sort of, again, the, the run in the club, actually, it's really enjoyable. And what I always forget that with Kieran sort of largely leading the youth side of things is slowly but surely we're building now a pathway for youth players as well. 
Um, starting the club, I'm not going to lie about it. The reason I started the club wasn't for the youth players, just so I could carry on playing. Purely selfish view. I wanted <laughs> to carry on playing futsal, and there was nothing around here. There was nothing. Now there's Mavericks and stuff, but there was nothing before. Um, so I wanted to play. And then the youth stuff now, you look at it and go, like, if you can inspire an eight-year-old to want to play futsal, then that's great. I know James does a lot of work with um, the little ones and sort of his job role. Um, and growing the game for them is huge. I don't know if you want to talk about that, James, about outreach to, to young people. Um, I know I've spoken to you about it before, but maybe running some bits and bobs. But in your job role, just sort of what you do, talk to us about that. Yeah, yeah, just kind of my job role, kind of working within the, um, my, my kind of local kind of community where, where I work with kind of schools and, and setting up uh, school games events. So kind of school games events is kind of looking at kind of setting up inclusive competition for children so one of those competitions we would set up is something like futsal so have an inclusive futsal competition i know carla as you mentioned that's something uh you've looked in in your your area where you work in luton in terms of the school games organizers over there so it's all about kind of inclusivity in sport and competition so you're not just seeing the same children uh, get the, the same chances with competition. So you've not got the, the football boys constantly playing in football matches, the rugby boys constantly playing rugby matches. You, you've got yeah. that inclusivity in, in, in sport overall. So I know that's something the club are looking at, kind of linking in with uh, to kind of have that link with schools and have it with those kind of school games competitions as well. Yeah, and I, a little bit linked to earlier, like I was sort of saying earlier about our players have their own motivations. I never had any motivation before to help the youth side of things because I was a teacher but actually my passion now going for futsal just growing and growing I want to do more which is why we're doing the Wildcats which is why Liam does a lot of the coaching I know Jake gets involved Jake Toyer shout out Jake Toyer he just pops out of nowhere by the way don't even know where he came from just pops out of nowhere turned up one day and was really really good good lad Jake um, got himself involved and players now looking to get involved in sort of helping out the coaching as well and growing the game for the youth players and I think it's massive that if we can continue to grow our youth numbers and sort of get more young players involved um again you stand back and go why is it important to have numbers a youth youth setup is it because you want more revenue for the club no because they don't make any money out of these things hall hire and stuff pretty much kills us anyway it's not a prof we don't make any money um about growing the game of of futsal and doing what we can to to make it more accessible it kills me when i i do transition at my school every year i sort of go what's your favorite sport and they go football and I go oh mine's futsal and they go what, what's that and I'm like oh for goodness sake come on you, someone's got to know this game yeah. at some point um <laughs> partly why we're using my school was like a host center because I've seen no one knows what it is there's a market if people don't know it there's a market for it in my eyes and people want to get involved in it so as a club we're looking to massively expand our youth stuff using wildcats as a, a core for the ladies and then obviously Kieran's done a smashing job getting numbers in for the 10s or 11s to 16s as well which Liam sort of jumped in and helped on later on Jake's also helped out so as a club we do we do our bit and one thing we never done till this lockdown is charity work which we're sort of using as a joint club fundraiser slash charity work and again it's I'm so shocked they've done anything like that before because at university um, you're always looking to get club of the year and one of the biggest things is doing charity stuff and I'm just so yeah. surprised we never looked to do anything before um, and we're now doing it and we've sort of raised already 285 quid for William Hospice just from the Warzone tournament and we've obviously got the raffle and the 
the run to come. So hopefully we can get, I'm aiming for £500. That's what I want to get. If we can raise £500 for winning hospice, that would be a massive achievement. I know Aaron Kelsey, who was on our pod a couple of pods ago, talking about the England squad and chatting nonsense about Bakari Saka, whatever his name is, Bakari Saka Stop getting it. in the squad, who is rubbish, shouldn't got in. I can't believe he got called up. Um, no comment. <laughs> um, but no, it's, I think the, the reason we've done this pod is just so people can understand what, what running the club's about. And like the, what's the guy from Paul again? Ben, Ben Norman. Ben Norman. People are doing it. People are going to run these clubs. I know Phil doesn't run Reading Royals, but Phil has a massive involvement in, in what they do. Um, like Liam coming to Bedford, having a massive involvement in what we do. Um, you've been huge since you've come back from the green and gold scum of the earth to come and help us. Yeah, you know give me I mean? the armband <laughs> and I'll be happy. Just give me the armband. Well, this yeah, is the Stammers thing. Coming for you. Stammers has a age eleven to twelve armband, so we haven't got um, the funds <laughs> to give you a bigger <laughs> one yet. So we haven't got one big enough for your for your big biceps. Um, but okay. no, just for people listening about running club, if anyone's got any questions about how we do it or anything like that, we can try and help. I'm not saying I'm going to be the best help in the world, but we've done it. We are proof in the pudding that it's possible, um, relatively successful, and that we've okay, we've not had a chance to do any more than one full season because of coronavirus, but in that one full season, we won a league title. So I suppose that just um, bragging rights, really. The only full season, the last full season that was available to happen, we won the league title. So let's just stop playing now and complete the futsal. Yeah. <laughs> None avoid. None avoid. None avoid the rest. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's... Um, uh, I think, yeah, those yeah. are the key messages, isn't it? We, like we say, and we would always say and always admit to, we're not perfect. We don't do the things the best way necessarily, but it works for us and we can offer some sort of support and tips to anybody else that's looking to do the same thing because I do think it is transferable across all clubs um, and like we've always said surround yourself with good people and good things will come if you have members of your club that will contribute more than others that's fine um, because everybody's there for each other and um, we just want the best for the club and the sport um, more generally so uh, that, that's the kind of key message from me. What about you James what's your key message you're often the uh the wisest stuff for the three of us because me and Liam just chat a load of nonsense most of the time. <laughs> well, in terms of key in terms of key messages, yeah, no, just echo echo what what you both said really. Um everyone's gonna have their own way of doing things. Uh there's ultimately no right or wrong way. It's about uh testing things out. I am sure Carl you we, you never came in with a, a set plan of doing things. It was almost, you know, see how things go in a, in a sense and try things out and, 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 and kind of go for that. And it's worked out very, very well, I think, so far. All right. All right, anyway. We, all right. I, I don't want to say you, I don't want to say you've winged it, Carl, but things are going well. And, and, and as, as Liam said, you know, we were always happy to help. And I think the wider futsal community as well, always happy to help, you know, offering up advice, offering up help in any way and, and support in any way we can really. So uh, I think futsal, though it's had the, its struggles recently, is, is, is going in the right direction slowly and surely. That's it. That's it. And we are going in the right direction. And one day we will be that club in the Champions League fighting for those titles. One day. That's the dream. No, it's, it, it would be nice, wouldn't it? But um, in all seriousness, I hope this has been been useful. Um, and a couple of little messages at the end now, just to a, pass on the pod to people. I think this one's massive. To anyone who plays futsal in those sort of Bucks leagues in particular, we've sort of seen on social media recently how big Bucks futsal is, how many people play. Um, get the word round. People that leave university always want to play and they've not always had the opportunity. Um, so please pass on this pod. Um, and then also to get involved in a couple of our little fundraisers we've got going on sort of before the return of, or the first phase of normality returns on the 29th. We've got obviously our run to 
Zagreb, which we can donate on the crowdfunder, which is all across our social media. You can also get involved in our raffle, where some good prizes to be won, including a framed Bedford Futsal shirt. What more could you want on the wall in your house than a framed <laughs> Bedford Futsal shirt? Um, and then lastly, we've also got another Warzone tournament coming up on the 27th of March. So if you would like to get involved in that, please just contact our social media and one of us will get hold of you and we'll get you involved in in probably meeting James Grant and shooting him in the face from Point Blank Range in the Gulag. So um, thank you very much for listening, everybody. Hope it's been useful and we'll see you next time on The Griffin's Nest. You've been listening to The Griffin's Nest, a podcast by Bedford Futsal Club.